the name of the Creator, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Christians have a long history with widely varying views of the intersection between wealth and our relationship with God. The Bible is rife with the intertangling of wealth and faith, the sins of the tax collectors, stories like today's involving wealth and status, the value that God places on those who are marginalized from wealth creation, the tension the disciples and others have over what money or valuable resources should be spent on. And the followers of Christ also have widely varying views of what role money should play in how we view ourselves and our relationship with God. On one end, for example, there's the Catholic missionary orders of nuns and priests who emphasize living very humbly, believing that this is what Jesus instructed his disciples to do and that that allows for a closer relationship with God when material possessions are removed. Somewhere maybe in the middle is the so-called Protestant work ethic, which arose during and after the Reformation. And this focused people on demonstrating their faith through their calling or their career. And in this belief system, your explicit objective isn't to get rich, but if you become enriched by being dedicated to your calling and by working away from the sins of laziness, then that's great. You're considered to be living faithfully. And, and maybe at the other end is the belief system like a prosperity theology system under which folks believe that financial blessing is the will of God for them. Um, it's popular with many conservative churches in America today even. The followers view the Bible as like a contract between God and humans. And they believe that if you live faithfully by the Bible, God will deliver security and prosperity to you. So, in short, there's a lot in the Bible and in modern religion that really wrestles with this concept of money. Now, I, like I imagine many of you, am a little squeamish talking about money. I grew up with very little of it, and I was raised not to discuss it at all. And certainly as a lay preacher, I'm even more skittish to wade into this connection between your resources and your relationship with God. So, luckily for all of us, I meditated a little bit on this and remembered it's a parable, so it's probably not actually about money, and so I'm not going to preach on what you should do with your money. Um, and I guess I should pause to say good luck to whomever gets to unwind all of this when we kick off stewardship season next month, so sorry. Um, now, I mean, let me be clear, I do believe there's a time and place to talk about what you can give of yourself, your time, your talent, and your treasure for the glory of God in thankful praise of what you get and live through Christ Church. I'm just going to argue this is not that time and place. What I have come to believe is that Jesus, by way of Luke, chose to talk about wealth, money, inheritance, and whatnot in this passage simply as a proxy. Wealth is a proxy for things that we value. And money is something that we all universally value. An article from CNBC this past May cited a national survey of Americans that found that nearly half of respondents rate their financial situation as only fair or poor. And a full 25% say they worry about money all or most of the time. A study from 2018 found that money is the number one cause of stress among Americans. We all have anxiety about money or lack thereof. Do we have too little? Do we have too much? Are we saving enough? Or are our parents and children saving enough? Are there new expenses looming? Are we spending our money on the right things? Are we teaching our children the right values about money? Are they too privileged? 
Or how disadvantaged are they if we can't afford the things that they need? We're all anxious about this, I think, regardless of who we are and whether we live today or lived thousands of years ago. So to try to get some context, I read the rest of the chapter from Luke, the one that follows the passage you heard today, and realized this lesson is not about money. It's about worry. Just a few verses after today's passage ends, Jesus gets a lot less judgy and a lot more inspirational and poetic and supportive. Having finished the parable, he addresses his disciples again, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If you cannot, why do you worry? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus isn't talking to us about how we should view our material possessions, not here. He's talking to us about worrying. Money is just the proxy because we all relate to it as something that we worry about. Jesus wants us to realize that whether you have money or not, it makes absolutely no difference to God. Your state of wealth is totally unrelated to your relationship with God or your spiritual well-being. There is no connection. Maybe don't tell that to the prosperity theology preachers. The rich man is storing up things so he won't have to worry. If you're in a position where you have financial stability, does it give you a sense of security like the rich man? That's good for you, of course, and it's natural, I think, to breathe a little easier when you know you have what you need to provide for yourself and your family. That's fine. But I think Jesus would say, don't for one second, though, confuse your financial security with your spiritual security. For the contented and secure, this is sort of a cautionary tale. But for those with much less, there's an enormously hopeful message in this, too. Jesus is arguing for a complete disconnect between your worries and your spiritual value. This Jesus, who later in Luke lifts us up, who tells us life is more than food and the body is more than clothing, and who assures us that God cares for us more than all his other creatures, this Jesus is bringing us a hopeful message maybe especially to those who are the most financially vulnerable. If you are very income limited with little or nothing to fall back on, you will understandably worry about that. Your needs are real. But the powerful, hopeful truth is that our lack of resources doesn't affect our spiritual wealth one iota. The relationship with God and readiness for spiritual fulfillment require no monetary investment. They are totally unrelated. I think there's real power in this understanding. Remember, Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouses houses nor barns, and yet God feeds them. And of how much more value are we than the birds? Each of us can receive God's love regardless of how many worries we have. I think Jesus is challenging us to separate what we worry about on this earth from what we need in the next life. What is it that worries you? My husband always teases me for my very special ability to worry about opposite things at once. Like, I can host a party and I can worry that no one will come and then too many people will come. I could do that simultaneously. It's a gift. Um, and obviously a lot of us worry about money. Maybe you're a patient or a family member waiting on medical test results, climate change, the resurgence of open racism, how routine mass shootings in our country are sadly becoming. Maybe it's family relationships we're trying to fix. Maybe a new job or promotion or helping your kids choose a school. 
I guess I would argue you can insert whatever you're worried about into this parable and Jesus is going to come out in the same place in giving you advice. Jesus knows it's our human nature to be anxious, but would argue that our relationship with God is separate and bigger than all of the things that we worry about. When my family decided to adopt a rescue dog, I worried a lot. I'd never had a pet growing up. I worried how we would control him if he had bad behavior. Would he be aggressive with the kids? Would he, would he bite? Would he not bite if someone broke in? Um, there was a lot of anxiety for a while until we all kind of fell into a routine. And looking back, I think, why was I so worried? Ultimately, I suppose that's what Jesus wants us to remember. To worry is natural, but it's not everything. Jesus knows we're going to worry about the things that weigh on our lives, and that's why he's telling us this story. He wants us to address our very real needs in terms of food and shelter and clothing and health and relationships. We just can't confuse the pursuit of those things with our relationship with God. Don't see your personal degree of anxiety as a sign of God's displeasure or your degree of stability as a sign of God's favor. They're totally unrelated. We need to worry at being good with God, living the lives God wants, being the people God's calling us to be, and knocking down anything standing between us and God. What we worry about in the grand scheme of things isn't what's important. Our worries are our worries, but they are not the spiritual person that each of us is and is called to be. Amen.